Kidney stones are certainly a medical problem. Anyone who has suffered from a kidney stone knows how painful they can be. But in children, they're even more of a concern than they would be in adults. And tonight we're going to talk about kidney stones in children. Our guest is Dr. Gregory Tassian. He's a pediatric urologist and epidemiologist at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Welcome to Primary Care Today, those of you listening. And Dr. Tassian, welcome to you as well. Brian, pleasure to be here. When we talk about kidney stones, you know, I know my first thought usually isn't kidney stones in children, but for a parent of a child with kidney stones or someone like you as a urologist who deals with it, tell me a little bit about how common they are and why they are a concern. Right. So, you know, I think over the last 15 to 20 years, uh, there's been a number of anecdotal reports and then uh, some studies in limited geographic areas or conducted at hospitals that just treat children that have suggested that stones are becoming more and more common uh, among children and adolescents. So, and that's something I've certainly seen in clinical practice as well. Um, What the impetus for this study was, was really trying to nail down what those rates are and really try to estimate which groups in our populations are those in whom uh, the rate of stones is increasing uh, the fastest. And when you look at it, you know, the work you've done, um, obviously you've seen, as you say, a change in the trend more or less. It used to be, I guess, middle-aged white men who were most susceptible. Now we're seeing it, youth, females, African-Americans. It seems like it has shifted. Absolutely. You know, when you look at the prevalence of stones, which are the frequency or the proportion of the population that have had stones at some point in their life, it's nearly doubled over the last 15 years, and that's uh, among the adult population. So it's a disease that has increased dramatically over a very short time period. Uh, and then when you really try to drill down and try to identify those groups of patients in whom it's increased the most, what we found was that it was increasing among the young, among the youth, uh, particularly adolescents, uh, those 15 and 19 years of age, Uh, at rates that far outpace the increase in obesity and other major health concerns in the United States. Uh, For example, uh, when we looked at adolescents, we found that it was uh, the incidence of stones or new uh, patients with stones each year was increasing at about 5% per year. We saw similar rates uh, among females of all ages, but particularly young females, Uh, those in their teens to early 20s, at about 3% per year, and then very similar rates among African Americans. And I think the thing that is concerning about that that stones are becoming more common in these populations are that these are the groups of patients in whom stones were once rare. And as you mentioned, uh, kidney stones was once a disease of middle-aged white men, and that's epidemiology of the disease or the the groups of patients in whom we find it has shifted dramatically over a short period of time. And when you look at it, what are some of those reasons? I know part of your background, you're an epidemiologist, so you look at these things and try to analyze it. What are some of your theories? I mean, I know, you know, some of the risk factors we were always taught about, including poor water intake, dietary habits, those types of things, but what, what, what is going on? Right, so it's a, it's a great question, and, you know, unfortunately, we don't know what's driving uh, the change in, in stone disease in the United States or in South Carolina where we conducted our study. 
but I think it does highlight the, the, the need for research to identify what those um, risk factors are uh, because many of them, most of them, would likely be things that we could modify or change to certainly decrease the risk of recurrent stones uh, and then possibly, as you mentioned, things like water intake uh, to reduce the risk of ever forming a stone in the first place. And when you picked South Carolina, was that just where the patient population was? What what specifically drew you there? So a couple of things. Uh, South Carolina has been known to have a high uh, incidence or prevalence of stones uh, going back for the last 25 years. And we thought it would be very fruitful to conduct a, a, conduct a study there uh, because of this high uh, incidence of stones. And then secondly, uh, when... You look at states, there's tremendous variability in the amount of healthcare data that are available. And South Carolina um, has some of the best in the country. So it's, a, it's certainly the largest and uh, one of the few states that has records from the emergency department, uh, inpatient admissions, as well as surgeries. So it was uh, exactly the type of data that we needed to really examine that question. And you weren't just talking about a small amount of data. According to what I've read, it was over 150,000 child and adult kidney stone patients, you know, from a population of 4.6 million. That's, that is a pretty large group that you're looking at. That's right. And, and when you did that, uh, again, when you went into this, were you surprised or did you have a suspicion this is the way it would be? Well, we, we hypothesized. So, we, you know, what we thought at the beginning of the study was that we would find that adolescents uh, were the group of patients in whom the risk of stones was increasing uh, at the fastest rate. Um, however, we were somewhat surprised by the rate of increase among females and then certainly among African Americans, uh, because these are groups of patients in whom uh, little has been described before about the temporal trends uh, of stones. And when you talk about the temporal trends, what are you exactly referring to? So the, how the disease is changing uh, over time, how it's becoming more common in these groups of patients. So when you look, um, again, our audience is a lot of primary care physicians. When, when you look at your patients and you're advising you know, family doctors to be you know, thinking of kidney stones beyond, obviously, the patient who comes in in severe pain, and we're, we detect it that way, but of preventing it and trying to right. help them avoid it, what are some of your suggestions just from a preventive standpoint? So I, I'm, I'm really glad you raised that question because I think we in the medical community and certainly in the, the general public have tend to think about kidney stones as this acute problem. You come into, you know, the emergency room, you have surgery, and then, you know, once you get rid of the stone, then it's gone, and you may have a recurrence. But really, the more and more that we learn about stones, we, we really realize that it's a systemic uh, disease, and stones are associated with an increased risk of hypertension, increased risk of chronic kidney disease, increased risk of metabolic bone disease, leading to fracture, um, increased risk of coronary disease. So all of these extra renal manifestations uh, of kidney stone disease are something that I think should be on the forefront of anyone's mind, and particularly among uh, our, our primary care colleagues. And you're right. I don't think it's something we think of. I walk into a patient's room, I'm not really worrying about their kidney stones. Maybe if I see some unusual lab finding, or again, if they come complain of pain. But what about family history, other risk factors that would make you think about it, things we should look at? Yeah, so family history is certainly a, a big risk factor, and it's something we always screen for and ask our patients. Um, 
for children, probably about 70% of children with a, a stone uh, during childhood will have a first or second degree relative with uh, kidney stones. Uh, and, and, and adults, probably slightly lower, uh, but certainly one of those uh, factors that does increase one's risk. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough, and my guest today is Dr. Gregory Tazian. He's a pediatric urologist, epidemiologist at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and he has taken a look with his uh, researchers, fellow researchers, at, at kidney stones and, and the change that kidney stones are on the rise among youth, especially in females and African Americans, and the trend is definitely a change from our historical prevalence in middle-aged white men. And, you know, it's interesting that the fact stones were once rare and now becoming common also might be in leading us to do more studies such as CT scans and other things. What about that as far as the detection and how it's changing the way we're approaching care in some respects? Right. So yeah, the detection of stones, you know, currently the gold standard is uh, a, a CT scan that's commonly performed in the emergency department. Um, however, it's different for children. Uh, the preferred modality is ultrasound, largely because the body habits are, are smaller in children and increased sensitivity and specificity in uh, smaller patients. And certainly when we're you know, looking at the increase of stones in children, it's concerning because so many of these children are getting CT scans because they're going to the emergency room. Uh, stones are probably not first on the differential. CT is ready, readily and easily obtained. And a lot of these children are being exposed to radiation uh, for their acute stone episode and then also for surgical treatment and then any recurrence. So it's, a, I think, a growing concern about the amount of radiation that these children receive over a lifetime. I think you're right. We've got to really be judicious as to how we're doing this and how we're approaching it. But I know you were going to make another point. Oh, I, you know, I was just going to comment on, you know, whether the increased use of CT in the, in the United States could have had any influence on some of these changes that we observed. And it's certainly possible. We, we, we can't um, rule that out. But one thing that we did note was that the use of CT among uh, children, adolescents, and young adults really started a plateau in the mid-2000s. And then after that point, uh, we continue to see an increase of stones uh, in all these age groups. Now, I noticed your, your age breakdown, and maybe this is just what you found and you don't have a reason, but you say the highest rate of increase in kidney stones was among adolescent females. In any given year, stones were more common among females than male. 10 to 24s, but after 25, kidney stones became more common in men. Any reason why this is the case? Yeah, so this is something that we're certainly going to pursue uh, because I think you see the split that after 25 years, then it becomes a disease primarily of males, um, but certainly what we see uh, clinically uh, among children and young adults is that it's much more common among females and uh, young women. And it's something that we don't know why that's occurring. Is there an effect on hormones and stone risk? Are there differences in dietary behaviors or other types of behaviors that would increase the risk of stones in certain populations? We don't know, but it, it's something that's intriguing. What about higher daily temperatures? You know, we talk about whether or not, uh, you know, we have global warming, these things. Could a change in temperature, even subtle changes, have an impact on kidney stone development? Right. So we conducted a study that uh, was published in 2014 looking at the effect of daily temperatures on kidney stone risk 
in the risk of presenting with a kidney stone. And what we found was that as temperatures increase uh, into the, the hot range and also decrease into the, quote, cold range, that the risk of stones increased uh, dramatically. And uh, this original study was conducted in five different cities, and we saw similar trends uh, among all those cities. So we're continuing looking at uh, that research, trying to define what that risk is associated with temperatures. And then uh, certainly you know, as climate does change, we uh, may see differences in many diseases. Kidney stones may be one of those. I only have a couple minutes left with you. I wanted to ask you, what about treatments now? I know it's not particularly part of the study, but just for our audience, what are the sure. best forms of treatments for kidney stones now from, uh, from the way you address it in children then in adults? Right. So I, th- I think it goes back to what you were saying. Um, I think you can look at kidney stone disease as both a chronic disease as well as an acute, uh, acute disease that needs sometimes emergent treatment. So over the last 30 years, the surgical management of kidney stones has advanced tremendously. So we've had minimally invasive treatments that allow, uh, you know, non, no incisions to remove these stones. And in children, certainly, I think the uh, preferred modality, and certainly my approach, is to perform ureteroscopy. Um, when you look across the country, there is uh, an probably a split between shockwave lithotripsy, which is the externally applied shockwaves to break up the stone, and then the patient passes them on their own. However, there is emerging data that uh, shockwave is associated with an increased risk of high blood pressure, as are stones. So if we're applying shockwaves to a younger um, patient where they have a lifetime uh, over which hypertension could occur, it's a concern of mine. So I tend to perform uh, ureteroscopy, which is uh, using a small flexible scope to go in and remove the stone. And then there, there are other surgical treatments, but for more complex, larger stones. But I think the, one of the things I think particularly important for you know, this audience and for the dialogue in the medical community is that over the same time period in which 30 years you've seen tremendous advances in surgical approaches, We've seen no new drugs developed. You know, we're still reliant on thiazides, citrate therapy, and occasionally allopurinol. Uh, and if we're going to be truly talking about prevention, we need to devote more resources, more uh, research onto identifying appropriate and age-appropriate uh, interventions to reduce uh, stone recurrence. Well, Dr. Gregory Tassian, I want to thank you for joining us. It was really a pleasure to talk with you on our program. I appreciate you taking the time to do it. Brian, thank you. My pleasure. This is Dr. Brian McDonough. If you missed any of this discussion, please visit ReachMD.com slash Primary Care today. You can download the podcast. You can learn more on the series. Thank you for listening.